Greetings, listeners, Domestic International and Extraterrestrial. I am Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley. And this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who has somehow, someway, somewhere, <laughs> never seen The X-Files. You've seen it today. <sighs> Way to just ruin the premise of the podcast. <laughs> and I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files, spoiler-free. Today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 22, F. Emasculata. It originally aired April 27th, 1995, Year of Our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. It was written by our Lord and Savior, Chris Carter. <laughs> no notes. And our Holy Ghost, Howard Gordon. Oh, Directed by the Holy Spirit. Wait, that's the... That's also the ghost. That's also the ghost. Uh, the Jesus. Holy Father, Rob Bowman, the director of Airborne, the rock and roller played movie. Starring <laughs> Shane McDermott, <laughs> Seth Green, and a young Jack Black. Yeah, I forgot again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. F. Emasculata. After several men. Emphasis on Men. <laughs> men. In a prison, die of a mysterious illness. Scully tries to discover the cause while Mulder attempts to find two escapees who could potentially spread the disease. Yeah. What a timely episode this was. Yeah, yeah. it was a little hard to watch, actually. Yes. So, casting characters, we have Linda Boyd, who played Elizabeth. She previously played Kochek in The X-Files episode, Fire. Alvin Sanders, the bus driver, previously played Deputy Sheriff Jason Wright in the X-Files episode, Fallen Angel. Oh. Chilton Crane, mother at bus station, previously played Margaret Homan in the X-Files episode, Miracle Man. Wait, didn't Homan, was there a different Homan? Mm-hmm. Okay, because there was a Homan in the last one as well. Yep, different person. We also have Charles Martin Smith as Dr. Osborne. I failed to look up anything about him. Oh, he's one of those that guys. Okay. I did look up while you're looking that up. Dean Norris, who plays the reckless, bullheaded Marshall Tapia, is probably best known for his similar role on Breaking Bad. He was a DEA guy in Breaking Bad. Is he? Yeah. He also guest starred in another Chris Carter show, Millennium. Oh, that show again. Yep. John Piper Ferguson, Paul the Con, played a recurring comic villain in The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Ooh. Another Fox show that ran concurrently with the X-Files first season. Due to budget limits, there was a toss-up between which show would be renewed for a second season, and the X-Files won out over Briscoe. Oh, I'm suddenly so mad at the X-Files. I knew you would be. Yeah. <laughs> mm. All right, well, Charles Martin Smith is in one episode of everything that's ah. ever been on TV since 1972. Okay. He's also in American Graffiti, and, ah. and he directed Dolphin Tale and Dolphin Tale 2. Oh. So, he's familiar with this area. This area? Mm-hmm. You know, Winter just died. Wasn't that like two years ago? I thought it was like two months ago. Who can tell? Time is a flat circle. I thought I'd bring it way down, right up top. Yeah, I mean, we can't start off with uh, the jovialness of a toddler getting hit by a train. <laughs> In every episode. Oh, you know what? I'll bring it back up. I did visit Winter when Winter was here, and I got to see the prosthetic tail fin, Uh huh. and it was super amazing. It, it is a very interesting story. Well, 
the prosthetic itself and the science behind it, very cool. Yeah. I'm just bitter because they wouldn't let me be in the movie. Did you let anybody know that you wanted to be in the movie? Or is this one of those things where I you're like, tr- I was almost... I was using the secret at the time. And I was and trying it didn't to work? manifest it. And it didn't. They just, Harry Connick Jr. couldn't hear me. Or he heard me and he was ignoring me. That, it's probably that. Because you know the secret definitely works. Yeah. So I'll be bitter about that until I die. All right. Well, production note. While F. Emasculata and Pink Pharmaceuticals are fictitious, the show was inspired by the fact that pharmaceutical companies do send researchers worldwide looking for unique plants and animals that might prove to have medicinal use. Which is a really PC way of saying what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like you gotta do that stuff. They say that the cure for cancer is in the rainforest somewhere. Well, you're not gonna find it if you don't look for it. And you're not gonna find it if you keep burning it down. No. Jair Bolsonaro is a war criminal of the highest magnitude for burning down the rainforest. I believe it is a crime against humanity, and that is a kinetic response that we should be having. Yeah, we won't. Not America. No. America being the U.S. I know America is actually a lot of places. (laughs) (sighs) Initially, the show's producers were worried about releasing the episode around the same time as the film Outbreak, so instead, we decided to watch it during a lifetime long pandemic (laughs) yeah i think i said it was hard to watch already yeah yeah i'm gonna just reiterate that it was hard to watch it was in the end however they realized that the two entities were substantially different from one another yeah one was good and one was not right Uh... (laughs) so reception the episode received generally mixed reviews from television critics entertainment weekly graded the episode a c writing quote A good idea is tainted by plot holes as gaping and disturbing as the pustular boils you'll be treated to in this hour. I was going to bring that up later. We continue to bring it up because it was appalling. Robert Sherman... I meant the plot holes, not the pustules. Oh, uh, we'll bring up both, actually. Robert Sherman and Lars Pearson in their book, Wanting to Believe, colon, a critical (laughs) guide to the X-Files, Millennium, and the Lone Gunman, rated the episode three and a half stars out of five. The two wrote positively of the first part of the entry, noting that it, quote, jogs along quite merrily as a simple contagion story, unquote, which sounds like a goddamn fairy tale. They were, however, more critical of the second half, noting that the story, quote, takes a left turn and becomes a thoughtful analysis of disinformation on cover-up and the public right to truth, unquote. I wonder what they think of it now. They also called both parts, quote, two really interesting rough drafts, unquote. Oh. <laughs> but concluded that the two halves were ill-suited for one another. I don't know if that's... I don't know that I believe that. Fair. Or, or agree, but yeah. yeah. All right. In the rainforest of Costa Rica, entomologist Robert Torrance. I don't know why. I thought that was an A. I was going to say Toronca. And I was like, his name is much in- more interesting than I originally thought. <laughs> Robert, it's been a long day, guys. Robert Torrance is collecting bugs alone in the woods when he stumbles upon a decomposing boar carcass covered with dark purple pustules and vultures. Yeah, he walks right up to it and goes, oh, that looks disgusting and diseased. I think I'm going to lick it. (laughs) He goes, shoo, birds, shoo, shoo. I want to put my face right into this. Yes, he summons his inner Dr. Pimple Popper when he spots a pulsating pustule. It spews on his face and in his mouth... And he spits it out, and I just wrote, R.I.P. that guy. No kidding. It was gross. It was disgusting, and the thing is obviously going to explode. It looks like it's going to explode. It's 
pulsating. It's a pulsating pustule. You like my alliteration? That usually I do, but not in this case. <laughs> Production note, the X-Files director, Frank Spotnitz, remarked, when we saw the pustule bursting on film, we just laughed because it was just so over-the-top grotesque. <laughs> He's not wrong. He is not wrong. By nightfall, the scientist himself has developed the boils and tries to radio for help. Well, he does radio for help, but nobody gets there in time. Shocking. You're in the middle of the rainforest. So a group of soldiers arrive in the morning, but Torrance is dead. Also R.I.P. that guy. Yep. And probably, I guess, everybody else. When he, he was alone. When all of his pustules exploded. Oh, well, nobody knows that happened off screen. So who knows who was there when that happened? Yeah. What did happen to those guys? Oh, the military looking guys? Who knows? Right. So this could just content, could still be happening everywhere. Going on in Costa Rica to this day. Yeah. Rude. At a prison in Dinwiddie County, Virginia, which is a real fun word to say. Try it. Dinwiddie. It's fun, right? Dinwiddie. <laughs> An inmate, also named Robert Torrance, gets a package containing a boiled covered piece of pork, which is gross. In this scene, the cop guy, guard? <laughs> I think that's what they're called in prison. A cop guy? <laughs> yes. Cop guy guard. <laughs> the cop guy guard just gives him a package... And we're supposed to believe that they don't check everything. Every yep. package, at least. Apparently, that's what we're supposed to believe. They didn't I don't, run it through an x-ray machine or anything. I don't believe it. I don't care if I'm supposed to believe it. I don't. Okay. So there. <laughs> you really showed me. <laughs> so he gets this really gross piece of meat, and um, it's fine. Everything turns out okay. The end. <laughs> oh, wow. Short episode. <laughs> surprise, surprise. About 36 hours later, he's also dead. He develops blisters and boils. They take him to the infirmary where some guys in hazmat suits are... I always think of them as E.T. suits. Okay, where some guys in E.T. suits are measuring things with their fingers, I guess? No, they get the little caliper things. Oh, you're right, because there's, there's something... I read something that was like, they measured this, and they said something about it's their thumb width, but never mind. Yes, they're measuring it and saying how they look... They look uniform, yeah, which and is they don't not true. Whatsoever. No. They also mistake a couple of other things here. There's some character errors. When the doctors are examining uh, Robert Torrance right after the opening credits, one reports to the other that the blood oxygen saturation is 81%, but the machine clearly says it's 98%, and the 81 on the machine is the pulse rate. 81% <laughs> blood oxygen saturation would be very, very bad. I mean, it's very, he's in a very bad situation. He's not going to survive this, regardless of what his blood oxygen saturation is. <laughs> no. But I believe 81, you're, for, you're done for. Yeah. Well, we find out that this prison has inmates clean up uh, a biohazard area without any sort of gear, even, no, not even gloves. Well, according to the rules that they state later, this should be perfectly safe. But they don't know that. True. I'm just pointing something out now. You're pointing out a plot hole. I'm pointing out that prisons should be shut down. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the, the two inmates named Paul and Steve, they decide that this is their chance to escape in the laundry cart because this, has, this contagion has spread throughout at least this branch of the prison. Yeah. No one else is there. And the, uh, the sheets that they're supposed to be 
I guess they're not changing them. They're not putting anything else on, but they're supposed to be taking taking... them away to burn them. Yes, they're being burned and not taken to the laundry. So they end up escaping in the laundry cart slash van, whatever. They're gone. Yep. The agents are sent to help the U.S. Marshals find Paul and Steve, but the marshal in charge is not happy about any of it. There's a total pissing contest between Mulder and the National Guard guy. And in this first scene, I'm not sure anybody actually wins, but Mulder definitely comes out, like, slightly ahead. Yeah, U.S. Marshal guy. You were saying National Guard guy. Dean Norris is the U.S. Marshal. Oh, you know, I have U.S. Marshals and also National Guard. Hm. Uh, yeah, National Guard takes over the prison. Right. But we don't actually talk to any of those guys. You're right. Except the one guy who's looking at the pretty fire. No, he's, he's Pink Pharmaceuticals. Oh, that's right. Spoiler. Yeah, we jumped ahead. Sorry. <laughs> okay, sorry. I mixed them up because I don't know what any of them actually do. All right. They note that the FBI doesn't normally investigate prison escapes, but become suspicious as the prison is quarantined by the CDC and the National Guard. Question here. Shouldn't Mulder and Scully be suspicious every time they're called out at this point? They do work in the X-Files. And I'm not saying that... Um, non-TV law enforcement should always be suspicious. In fact, they need to chill the fuck out. But (laughs) these two specifically, being in the X-Files, shouldn't they always be suspicious? They should always expect that something's going to be weird, but we don't see all of the other cases that they get assigned. It's true. It's possible that they get assigned regular cases a lot as well, but they wrap those up during the week, and we just see the one case a week that they get that is weird. It's true. I don't know that that's possible, but maybe that's going on. I have absolutely no idea what kind of workload would be standard. Me neither. I feel like they should be doing a lot more paperwork than we ever see them do. Yeah, maybe most of what they do is paperwork, but still, then every case they go on is a weird thing. Yeah. So probably they should think, this is weird. Something weird is going to happen here. I wonder why we're here. Let's not ask any questions at all. (laughs) (laughs) Mulder leaves with the marshals to hunt the fugitives while Scully remains behind to investigate the situation at the prison. So they split up. Yeah, because they saw some of the guys in E.T. suits. Yes. And they were like, this seems suspicious. And the E.T. suit guys were going, don't Don't be be suspicious. suspicious. Don't Don't be suspicious. suspicious. (laughs) Don't Don't be be suspicious. suspicious. She learns that the lockdown population is infected with an exceedingly deadly contagion. Exceedingly. Exceedingly. I bet I know one that's more contagious. Oh, wait. It's a deadly contagion, not contagiously deadly. Yep. Never mind. She also finds a pile of dead inmates in body bags stored for incineration in the prison's boiler room. It's pretty gross. It's really gross. And what does she do? Takes off her mask and touches everything. She looks at this thing that's sealed up, obviously infected with something, and just slices it right open because that's what a good medical doctor would do. Yep. I know this thing looks diseased and it's sealed. Let's break that seal. Yep. This is easily the dumbest thing Dana Scully's ever done on this show. And she's done some dumb shit. Yep. I cannot believe what I saw in this episode. So I wrote a note. Is it the current plague that's making me suspicious of everything? I mean, you are suspicious of everything. Okay. But just like the behavior of the people in this episode is galling to me is it because there is a current plague and holy hell why would you do that there's definitely some stuff in here that's heightened since we now live in the plague state okay 
because I can't believe that you would look at a sealed body that's obviously diseased and slice it open. Yeah, no, I cannot imagine watching this in the past and and reacting in any sort of specific way besides, ew, that's gross. So egregiously dumb to me. Yeah, everything's really, really dumb. Well, so the body bag she cuts open is Torrance's, and as she's examining his corpse with the pulsating pustule, it is moving. Yeah, it's obviously getting ready to explode. Yes. Dr. Osborne, a member of the CDC hazmat team, so he says, big eyes, big eyes, big eyes, (laughs) (laughs) tries to stop her. While arguing, Scully removes her mask. It's brilliant. She takes her mask off. Just, ugh. It's the the slicing of the sealed body that gets me. It's the removing of the mask that gets you. Yes! Because now she's, not only has she exposed whatever is in the bag, but now she's all up in Dr. Osborne's face, and they're talking really loud, and she takes off her mask. What are you? An American? (laughs) How many times has somebody you don't know been talking to you during this plague, and they've pulled their mask down. Too many times. I can hear you! But never, like, up close in my face. That would uh, elicit a response from me. I can hear you. Mm-hmm. These things are porous. Yeah. Where do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not soundproof. Ah! Okay, so a pustule on Torrance's body erupts in Osborne's face, causing him to flee the room. So, as you said... <laughs> multiple times scully just killed a guy yeah scully just killed that guy for no reason other than stupidity i mean he's not a good guy but still he's not necessarily a bad guy yes he is he works for a company that does some good things and some bad things i haven't heard a single good thing that they do well clearly they were interested in the enzyme of this thing to do something to make money to off make of money. helping people but The helping people is still part of what they do. The drugs are good for you, even if they make a lot of money off of it. They shouldn't be allowed to make that money, but that does not mean that the drugs are bad. The fugitives kill a man at a rest stop, so we go to a different scene, and steal his RV, leaving that guy's wife and two daughters to find the body, I guess? Apparently that's what happened, because she was very upset. And I don't think she was upset because she just kept thinking he left because she did just keep running after it <laughs> screaming was... the guy's name like as if he was the one leaving it, it was, was weird it was a weirdly shot scene because the fugitives are hooping and hollering in the <laughs> rv <laughs> yeah and the woman is running after the rv calling his name and then it cuts to the next scene where Mulder's there and she's really upset and a couple of other people are there and you're like I guess she's upset that he left in the RV and I was like oh you don't know what's about to happen no no I I did not (laughs) because that was before they showed the dead body yeah shot in the face yeah yeah I did not realize that they killed him because it was not necessary to kill him in order to get his keys. No, and also they don't kill anybody else directly. No. Yeah. Yeah. whatever. The fugitives, st- fugitives stop at a gas station where Paul calls his girlfriend Elizabeth looking for shelter. <laughs> and I just wrote, don't do it, Liz! <laughs> <laughs> ah, this first scene was real uncomfortable. It really was. So he's in a payphone and he calls her and she's sitting at home with her child. 
And it looks like she's terrified to hear from him. Yeah. Her first few lines come across as terrified. Yes. Wait, Paul, where are you? Yeah. Are you, I'm coming to get you, baby. What? Huh? <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, it's towards the end of the phone call where it could be interpreted differently, if not for the line reads before it. Yeah. Well, we don't see her for a few more scenes. We do see that the station's clerk finds Steve in the bathroom, so one of the other fugitives, or the other fugitive, who has become infected with the contagion, and he is just laying face down on the bathroom floor. Because it's cool down there. It is cool down there, but can you imagine the last time that that was, was actually mopped? I'm sure Angel did a good job keeping the restrooms clean. You know what? You're right. Let's not <laughs> denigrate Angel. You're, no, you're right. I'm just thinking, you know what? You're right. Never mind. He does Angel, Angelo, whatever, either. either. His name tag says Angel. Okay. His uh, IMDb says Angelo. Uh. <laughs> so, all right. So Angel is really trying to help the guy. Yeah. So good on him, See? which is another scene where you're just like, why are you getting this close to this person? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't turn out well for Angel because he gets knocked over the head by, uh, by Paul. With what was he holding? I think it was it looked like bolt cutters. Yeah, something heavy. Around this time, Scully calls Mulder after the marshals raid the gas station and tells him that if the fugitives aren't captured, the contagion could spread into the population. Oh my God! This raid of the gas station. Oh my God! Was wild. They just ripped through the dirt parking lot. Guns hanging out the windows, not pointed at anything. No, fingers on triggers, guns hanging out the windows. Just insanity. Driving recklessly. It was so wild. And my only thought the whole time was Raylan Givens would have done this much better. (laughs) It's true. And my my first thought was, I bet cops do this all the time. (laughs) Good Lord. Yeah. Um, all right, so Mulder sees a CDC biohazard team arrive at the scene and forcibly take away Angel, which is awful. Yeah, it was, it would be really scary. It was. They took him away in a, um, a plastic coffin. Yes, yeah, that's about what it looked like. Here's a bit of trivia, though. The unlucky gas station attendant, played by Angelo Vaco, a production assistant on the show, had that part written specifically for him. (laughs) Weird. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I, don't, I didn't find out any more about why, but... Either Chris Carter or Howard Gordon were like, you know what? Angelo should be on the show. You know what? Angelo's a good-looking guy. Let's have him in there. Yeah. He can stand behind a cash register and look concerned over a guy laying on the ground. And you know what? He sure did. Sure did. He did it. It's at this point that uh, Mulder asks Dean Norris. I forget his character name. U.S. Marshal. Hank. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Hank Dean. is him and Dean uh, in Breaking Bad. Dean Norris is the only name I can remember. Yeah. He <laughs> finally asks, do either of these guys have a girlfriend? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I wish I could tell you. Muller says the line, well, don't you think they would have called the girlfriend? <laughs> no, I, I'm really bad at my job. I don't know. What, what's a girlfriend? He, Dean Norris just getting owned this entire oh, episode because Mulder goes straight to the payphone and calls I don't zero I don't know who he calls, <laughs> he calls switchboard <laughs> Klondike 5001 
I don't know. And he says, he says, hi, I am Jonathan Taylor Thomas dash number, 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 number. And I need to know who this phone called and whoever's on the other end tells him. Yeah. Yep. And it was uh, one of the guy's girlfriends. It was. It was his baby mama. Yep. Did you notice that he never once looks at that child? Paul? Yeah. Is he ever in the room with that child? Not really. I don't think we saw him in the room with that kid. He doesn't look anywhere in the direction of that child. There's like, they had to tell us that it was his child because we could not tell. No. (laughs) I wonder if that baby just hated him. You know how dogs just hate certain people or cats or, you know. Yeah. Charlie hates me. (laughs) Unless I'm feeding her. Yep. Not that I'm bitter. (laughs) Not that you haven't brought it up four times today. Not that it bothers me at all. <laughs> nope, not at all. I would never have said it bothers you. Me neither. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so Paul arrives at Elizabeth's house where she, where, where he's like, hey, I'm here and I also brought this super infected guy to be like in your house with the baby. Yeah, like why would you bother picking him up off the gas station floor? Right, because let's, let's, understand how much they've bonded these two together they haven't not at all (laughs) we don't know anything about their relationship other than they escaped together and they are both convicted murderers yes which obviously they could be buddies that would make sense but they should have done something established it just established it in some way shape or form and they just don't yeah a reason for this guy to care about the other guy when he is not the type of person who cares about anybody right (laughs) we never see him in the same room as his son right he holds a 12 year old hostage at the end so we don't have any establishing facts on why they would still be together at this point but elizabeth does her womanly duty and (laughs) takes him in and takes care of him while paul fucks all the way off because we never see him again we see him later i mean we never see him in the house again no he's just like i'm leaving now yeah yeah here's this guy here's this guy peace i'm getting on a bus to toronto yeah and later she tells Mulder that she was supposed to be on the bus with him oh that's right which i think she thinks she was supposed to be on the bus with him. I don't think she was actually supposed to be on the bus with him. I don't think he ever expected her to show up. Oh. Do you think he just swung by for a little... Yep. little... <laughs> a little... <laughs> a little... <laughs> a little... <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> I don't want to think about any of this. Rose, especially since the next line of my notes is one of Steve's pustules erupts in her face. <laughs> he did. And he did. so she. She just doesn't know it yet. That's right. Um, it kills him, I guess. I mean, he dies, but. Yeah, I having a pustule erupt on your face would suck. Yeah. It would be bad, but I, that wouldn't kill you. No. So they all have fevers. So maybe the fever kills them. Maybe. And it reaches its fevered pitch. At the time of eruption? Yes. It's just the time of ejaculation. Oh, hey, what? Gross. F emasculata. Family podcast. Is it? Who's family? How dare you? Who's listening to this with their family? 
<laughs> Honestly, who's listening to this with their family? That is weird. And thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate it. At that moment, right after she is doomed to death. Doom. Doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom, doom. Muller and the marshals raid the house, proving once again cops don't stop anything. No. <laughs> they arrest arrest the infected Elizabeth, but find Paul Gonzo. He out. Yeah. They point guns at the baby. Uh, they actually don't. I just said that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I remember Elian Gonzalez. Oh. I I know how these people operate. Yeah. Janet Reno on the wall of of Skinner's office. Yes. Oh, yikes. Okay. Well, the baby's upset, but maybe not infected. It's unclear. And here's another reason why. So plot hole. It's stated that 14 inmates of the prison are infected with the plague, but it's never explained how that could have happened. Only one package was sent to the prison containing the boar's leg that infected the first patient. No one else received a package. So given that the contagion is spread by a pustule exploding onto someone else in close proximity all the sick prisoners would have had to deliberately place themselves in close contact with an obviously already infected person. And this guy was absolutely in solitary confinement in the dark. Uh-huh. Like, he himself would have had to go to the pig leg and stare at it until it exploded in his face. Yes, and then... Even he should not have gotten infected. Right. And then he would have had to get out of solitary confinement, which I'm assuming this whole block is solitary confinement. Seems like it. And so there's, it's all unlikely. Plus the two escaped prisoners who eventually succumbed to the disease don't seem to have any idea how they were infected and neither do we. No, they apparently got it from the sheets. Apparently, but that doesn't make any sense. No, the way this contagion spreads is... Unclear unclear they they definitely explain how it's spread but they do not show that it is actually <laughs> valid they show something else yeah meanwhile scully traces torrance's package to pink pharmaceuticals a major drug developer she also finds an insect in the body of another prisoner from one of those bags right she's digging around the bags again she must be mm. she's down on that boiler room a lot yeah she did yep so there's a continuity error. When Scully spots the bug in the dead prisoner's wound, she gets a pair of tweezers out of the pocket to pick it up. When the camera pans back to Scully's face as she examines the bug, she's wearing a face mask that was around her neck moments earlier. Oh, maybe she thought that in mid-motion, oh, I should put my mask on. Maybe she had a heads-up move for it once. I guess. Dr. Osborne comes forward and reveals that he really works for pink pharmaceuticals. <gasps> Not the CDC. A corporation? What? Doing bad things? What? Osborne, who has become infected, identifies Scully's insect as Fasciphagia emasculata. Which is such a strange name to give this thing. We never see the women actually infected, so I think their dicks fall off and fly around <laughs> the room. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I hope everybody is listening to the very end of the podcast. <laughs> You told me that and didn't expect me to bring it up every chance I get. I didn't. <laughs> what a fun image. <laughs> Look, I'm hurting for entertainment around here. <laughs> Osborne is infected. He tells her about the enzyme, the dilating enzyme that Pink Pharmaceuticals was looking for. And it has to do with this bug. The bug isn't 
what's infecting people, it's... It carries a parasite. That's it. And when the pustules explode... Parasite the, larva. Yes. Get all over everything. Which is exactly like what happened in Firewalker. Yes. Precisely what happened in Firewalker. So are we going to have exploding bodies and pustules in every season? Was that this season? That was this season. So we're going to have it twice a season from here on. I would like to not. You would like to not? Yes. All right. Voting for no. Uh, well, fingers crossed. Yes. Osborne claims that F. emasculata was deliberately introduced into the prison by Pink. That's P-I-N-C-K, in case anybody's wondering. As an experiment, Dr. Osborne tells Scully that since she was next to him when he became infected, she may have contracted the contagion too. Now, I can't remember, even after watching it twice, watching it right before we record, to what end did they introduce this contagion to a prison? I don't know that they said. Why would they do it? See what happens? See if they could identify the enzyme? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. I don't know. I don't know why. Unclear. Unclear. So there's a plot hole here. After Dr. Osborne and Scully figure out that the contagion is spread by exploding pustules, neither doctor because remember, they are both medical doctors, uh-huh. decides to cover Dr. Osborne's wound to somewhat limit the spread, which is obvious. Be- it's, ugh, it was so gross. And also the whole time I was thinking this, and I'm not a doctor. I don't oh, know if you knew this, but I'm not a doctor. I knew that. Okay. Also, after Dr. Osborne tells Scully that he doesn't have much time left, she pulls back his shirt and looks directly at the wound, sticking her <laughs> face inches from the pulsating <sighs> pustule. It- It's frustrating. It's real gross. Mulder confronts Walter Skinner and the smoking man for some fucking reason. Right. He takes like four hours out of his day, just quits looking for the fugitives to drive to FBI headquarters from wherever they were before. Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie. (laughs) Virginia. Yep. Over to wherever, Quantico or wherever. Right. Yep. Who Who knows how long it took for him to go have this... 45 second conversation where he accomplishes nothing no and he's so righteous so self-righteous and unreflective he the self-reflection is missing completely this is a one-sided mirror (laughs) (laughs) it's real dumb it's a window yes (laughs) yes with um here's a Bit of trivia, with Mulder and Scully separated for all but two scenes in this episode, this features the most pronounced use of cell phones between the agents thus far. And we hear... Mulder, it's me. Mulder, it's me. A few times. Yep. Mulder. Mulder, it's me. Mulder is adamant that the public should know about the truth, or the truth about this potential health crisis. He hasn't been quite this self-righteous about literally any of the other things. No. This is like episode 50 at this point. It is 46. I rounded up. I've been doing a lot of numbers lately, so I've been having to round. I see. The smoking man tells Mulder that public knowledge of the truth will create mass panic and will do more harm than good. He says, you control the disease by controlling information. So I googled, how do you control a disease? Does it say by controlling the information? It doesn't, but I do have eight different ways. Would you like to know what they are? Uh, absolutely. This is from the Ministry of Health, New Zealand. New Zealand? Yeah. Ah, what do they know about controlling disease? <laughs> A lot more than we do. So one, immunize against infectious diseases. Great. Yeah. Sounds great. Two, wash your hands. Wash and dry your hands regularly and well. Okay. 
All right. Three, stay at home if you're sick. <laughs> oh, not in this country. Four, cover coughs and sneezes. <laughs> oh, not in this country. Five, clean surfaces regularly. <laughs> we like to... <laughs> not in this country. No. There's all of these statements that are like, we clean everything all the time. Oh, I went to give, not give blood. I had to go um, do a blood test. And the sign on the door at the blood testing facility, LabCorp, I'm calling you out, LabCorp, Ooh. said, we disinfect this between every patient. Uh-huh. And I walked in. No one was there. I was one of the first people. When I walked out, there was another patient walking in. Guess what they didn't do between us? Oh, disinfect? Yes. Shocking. I know. Just letting everybody know. That's my PSA. All right. All right. They also say six, ventilate your home. Seven, prepare food safely. And eight, practice safe sex. <laughs> Does that mean no kissing? You have to kiss, but with one of those dental dams. Oh, God. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> you had a visceral reaction to I that. I did. So none of that says control the information. Well, that clearly New Zealand doesn't know how to control the spread of a disease quite like the United States. Oh my gosh. Mulder tries to take his case to Scully, but she also says that exposing Pink's activities may result in a deadly hysteria. Right. All they need to do to control this, like get out information to control this, would be avoid people with pustules on their face. Right. Which... One would think you're going to do anyway. Avoid people with pustules on their face is a reasonable thing to say to the public. I think they could also say, hey, there's an incident at the prison. So we have like a, I don't know, people around. So just, you know, stay, stay away from this area for a little while. And there's obviously, or, you know, this one guy escaped. They tell you when somebody escapes sometimes if they can't find him. Yeah. You could be like, hey, look for this guy. Don't approach him because he's dangerous. Yeah, that's good. Just look at look for this guy and call us if you see it. See him. Yeah. Don't approach. He's dangerous. Also very good. It's and like in line with how you would probably handle an escaped convict who was out there maybe going to kill people. I don't know. Do they not tell us all the time? They probably don't tell us. And we don't live near a prison, so I don't know. Oh, you didn't know? I did not know. There's a prison two streets over. That's an elementary school. Oh. Same thing, am I right? <laughs> the vibes I get over there sometimes, not sure. So for Mulder, Paul is the only remaining proof of the company's crimes. I don't know why, because Scully's literally steeped in proof. <laughs> She's up to her knees with evidence. It's, ugh. They track Paul to the Groundhog, Groundhog Station. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The Groundhog Station. Paul is visibly infected now, and it's really gross. Super. His pustule is the biggest one. It's real gross. Here's a bit of trivia about that Greyhound Station. It was created from scratch from a vacant car showroom. <laughs> That's fun. It is. Mulder and the marshals finally catch up and surround the infected fugitive at the bus station, which is... You know, it, I feel like it takes forever. I don't actually know how long the scene took. I think it was because every time they would show Paul, I'd have to look away. And I just was like, <laughs> uh, uh, it's real gross. Uh, a production note. The exploding pustules were carefully rigged to burst on command. Makeup supervisor Toby Lindala created a device that was connected to the fake sores by discrete tubing. When the device was activated, the sores would explode. 
Filming the scenes with this device was particularly arduous, said, and Lindala later noted, in one scene, I was jammed underneath one of the bus seats with these extras basically stepping on my head. <laughs> wow. Now you see why I put that one right there. Yeah. So Mulder is like, hey, I'm going to get on the bus and uh, talk him down. And He had a good plan. He did, but... <laughs> Paul was in the bathroom, so screwed up the plan. Yes. Yep, he was in the bathroom, and also, uh, Mulder's just been winning this pissing contest for the entire episode, so the U.S. Marshal was like, I'm going to get one over on him, after all. Wow, that's what you think it was? R.I.P. Paul. That's what you think it was? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was Pink Pharmaceuticals. You think Pink was also the U.S. Marshals? Not also the U.S. Marshals, but, like, clearly the National Guard was in on it. Yeah. Unless that, that wasn't the National Guard also, since it wasn't the CDC. Yeah, I think it would be a lot harder to fake being National Guard than CDC. CDC, you wear a lab coat and have an ID. National Guard, you're like, there's a uniform and weapons and shit. Would you know what they look like? <sighs> I, if I saw one, then I could Google a picture of one. That's true. If somebody came to the door, though, and was like, I'm in the National Guard, I'd be like, congrats, I guess. Go be in the National Guard somewhere else. Can you please leave? Go away. <laughs> One thing that we didn't touch on was the test to find out whether or not... I was going to come back around to Scully that. was infected. What the hell was that test? It wasn't. It was, I'm going to put this bug on you. It's going to suck your blood. Then you got to wait two hours. And then you got to test the blood that's in the bug. Yes. There's no way that would work. There's. It can't be. It can't be a real thing. No. I mean, obviously not a real thing, but like, after two hours, wouldn't the bug metabolize the blood? Okay. I just, I told you, it sounded a lot like the roundabout AIDS test. I've had four AIDS tests in my day. The AIDS test is very scary to get. It doesn't matter what you've been doing. Waiting for the results is frightening. So I don't get the regular AIDS test anymore. I get the roundabout AIDS test. I call my friend Brian. I say, Brian, do you know anybody who has AIDS? <laughs> no? Cool. Because you know me. All right, so how are you surviving? How am I surviving is pretty fucking easy. Getting vaxxed, I'm getting boosted, and I'm continuing to wear my motherfucking mask. Because I know how to act right. I'm also doing all of those things. I'm also cleaning surfaces regularly. <laughs> I'm covering my coughs and sneezes. I ventilate the home every day because I work from home and the cats like to go outside. But don't worry, guys. There's only a balcony. We don't have a backyard. But Moses is trying to be a squirrel. So I don't know how I'm going to ventilate the home from now on since they've destroyed all of our screens. Oh, also I'm controlling the information. Oh. That is also how I would survive. Hmm. Okay. Uh, who are you shipping? Who am I shipping? That's a tough one. I'm shipping Cigarette Smoking Man and his cigarettes. I call Paul and his son. They need that, to connect. They that need to, son deserves better. They need a better relationship. You know what? Not every dad deserves to be a dad. No, but every dad should be a better dad. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> All right, anything else? Oh, yeah. The final confrontation between Mulder, Skelly, and Skinner was frustrating as hell, too. Because Mulder's like, you're part of killing people and costing oh. innocent lives. 
and what side are you on? And Skinner says, I'm on the line that you keep crossing. And in the immortal words of Reese Witherspoon, can't walk no lines, Johnny. You're not on the line. You're on that side. You're on the wrong side. Just like Dr. Osborne. Look, just because pink was <laughs> the way it spelled makes me think that they were a stand-in for Merck. Me too. <laughs> does not mean that they're all bad people. As a matter of fact, I'd say most of these companies, employees, are good people who are trying to help. They're trying to come up with cures for stuff. The C-suites should all be <laughs> put in front of a fucking firing squad. But <laughs> the majority of the people are workers. Yeah, I was going to concede, you're right, the doctors and the workers and the people who are having to work for living wages or whatever wages they can get. Yeah, I think you're right. But also, yes, C-suite? Yes, should be charged with crimes against humanity. But is it, who was the last person cr- charged with crimes against humanity when it keeps happening? <laughs> I think... I think W. (laughs) I I think that's when we decided that uh, you can't charge anybody in the United States for war crimes or we will invade the Hague. We're doing great, guys. (laughs) We're all doing great. I'm going to go make Riley dinner now. I'm going to go read the Communist Manifesto again. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at CastFiles. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at TheCastFiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by at Art. That's O-O-K-A-A-R-T. Pulsating thing that's... <laughs> Co-host Charlie, you guys. Moses is being so good and she is being so bad.